You are currently listening to a Suffolk free radio podcast. The views and opinions expressed on the best of Beantown podcast are the views and opinions of the show personalities only and do not reflect those of Suffolk university, Suffolk free radio, or those of the student leadership and involvement office. Adult language may be used. Listener discretion is advised. Howdy, howdy, and welcome to episode 13, I think. Episode 13 of the Best of Beantown podcast. I honestly should check this before we start, but you know what? It's episode 13 or 14. Um, it's the third one we've done this summer. Um, I'm here with Chris Lee. Well, James is not here today. He's out um, doing stuff, but Chris and me are here. Chris, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good today. Hopefully the Sox can win another one tonight against the Yankees after last night's uh, BS, if we want to call it that. I mean, we're seven and one against the New York Yankees this season, so I don't have much complaints. You know, they yeah. they can give them like it, it was like a little consolation prize. It was like a participate participation trophy. That's what that last night's loss was. But we're gonna come back and we're gonna kick their ass tonight. Anyway, um, we're gonna be talking um, right at the top of the show about the Yankees and Red Sox and the Alex Verdugo incident. So, uh, Chris, are you ready to get into this? Absolutely. You want to recap it or should I? I can do it. All right. Oh, so um, in the sixth inning, this happened last night. This is the second game in the series between the Red Sox and the Yankees. Um, in the sixth inning, there was a fan in the left field bleachers who threw a ball onto the field that hit, that hit Red Sox outfielder um, Alex Verdugo, and it basically delayed the game for a few minutes. They had to hold um, Doogie, uh, Dougie back, um, and they had to figure out um, who it was in the stands that threw the thing, so there was a whole lot of navigation with security and the umpires and all that stuff. Um, and Verdugo was not happy about it. Um, the Yankees manager, he came out in support of Alex Verdugo, Aaron Boone. He said, I hope he ends up in jail. Um, and then Verdugo, uh, after the ball hit him, he intended to throw it to a young Red Sox fan, um, but missed and the uh, Yankee fan caught it instead. And the Yankee fan was the one who threw it back in my, I'm getting my timeline a little bit messed up here, but he threw it, he tried to throw it to a young Red Sox fan but a Yankees fan threw it at um, – Yankees fan got the ball and he threw it back at him and hit him. So um, the fan – there's this is an update that, the, that just got released today. The Yankees and MLB have been the fan for life from Yankee Stadium and all 29 other ballparks in the, um, in the league. And the fan was not arrested, but he was escorted from the ballpark. Um, and we have a quick little um, – Quick little audio clip from the post-game interview that Verdugo did. I'm going to play that, so give me one second here. Let's hear what Dougie had to say. Throwing stuff back onto the field ever. You know, there really isn't. And, uh, you know, yeah, I lost my cool there for a second. You know, I was, I was pretty pissed. But, you know, having some time to think about it now and to calm down and relax, you know, it is what it is. You know, I'm just happy that, you know, nothing came from it. Nobody, you know, got hurt. I didn't get hit in the face or anything like that or the back of the head. So, uh, you know, all that's good. But it just – as fans, bro, like, y'all got to be better, man. It's just that simple, bro. You can't I, – I don't care how much you hate a team, how much a rivalry is, and you just – you don't throw shit at people, man. It's just that. All right, Chris, what do you think about this whole situation going on? 
I mean, it's not even just the fan itself. It's been happening left and right throughout sports recently. It's just honestly, excuse my language, but it's just quite bullshit. I mean, I've been going to to sports sporting events my entire life, and as a fan, I've never thought of doing anything like that. And even even like you said, screw the rivalry. Like you don't do that. That's not that's not something you should be doing. I'm glad the fan has been banned from for life from all stadiums. But it, it just kind of – it's just ridiculous. I mean, we saw earlier towards the end of the MLB, uh, NBA season with the whole fan throwing the water bottle at Kyrie Irving, uh, a fan dumping popcorn on Russell Westbrook. I think part of the problem is fans are almost too excited to be back in stadiums after all of this COVID stuff has been going on. It's just been happening way too much, and – it really needs to get put to an end. It's I just really don't get it. It's, I know like there's been a lot of things said how like Yankees fans are classless. Granted, I've had a, a experience in Yankee Stadium and it wasn't anywhere close as bad as this. But it's I hate that people are generalizing all of Yankee fans just because of that one guy. Can't believe I'm like kind of siding with the Yankees fans for once. But I mean, it's it's just BS to be honest. Like you don't act that way as a fan. You need to respect them as players and as humans and they'll do the same and I mean we've seen it with Verdugo the last time the Red Sox were in Yankee Stadium he was having fun with the fans they were talking shit to him he was giving it back for them having a good time but then they throw a ball and hit him that's just that you just don't do that stuff it, it's ridiculous so Chris you've been going to sporting events your entire life I'm assuming that's like a correct assumption um, mm-hmm, absolutely um, between one b- before the pandemic happened when you were going to games versus I'm assuming, I know you've gone to a couple since um, restrictions got lifted and fans were allowed back. Is there like at all a different vibe and, you know, whether it be at Fenway or whether it be at the garden versus um, what it was before? I mean, I think it's just people are happy and excited to be back. I know the times I've gone, I've been more than happy to be back in the stadium, but it's just, it's just, it's just crazy to see that stuff still happening. I know it's happened before in the past, even before COVID, but it's there's no excuse for what happened. Regardless if you're a Red Sox fan or Yankee fan or a fan of any other team, there's just no reason for this shit to be happening. And I know you said not to generalize all Yankee fans, but um, James, he's not here today, but James sent us a tweet from Catherine Veritek, who is the wife of Jason Veritek. Um, and she was uh, on Twitter and she was replying to a fan who was basically talking about his experience at Fenway, um, a Yankee fan, and he was talking about how Boston fans were cursing at him and stuff. Um, and then she replied, um, I'm not talking about curse words. Someone spit on my nine-year-old daughter for wearing her Veritech jersey. I can handle curse words, but that um, S was straight uh, out filth and vile. So um, this, you know, honestly, that's we only have two cases that we're bringing up here but I think that this is a bigger problem than just isolated to Yankee fans. Like you said, Chris, like you brought up the water bottle incident that we had at the garden earlier this year. And um, whether it be with, um, I think it was Westbrook again um, earlier in the playoffs with the wizards and just a couple other fans. It's just, there's always, there's just now such a widespread problem of fans think that they're bigger than the game and they can do whatever they want. And that's, and I think that's a, that's a big problem that has just, being by being inside for so long it's kind of got into our heads that like oh i'm i feel like i have i'm entitled to do more stuff i just it's um 
it's not good and it's dangerous because some of this stuff can get out of hand. This was just a baseball that he threw at Verdugo, but if it was like a something else, like a like say he threw like a beer bottle or something, and he cut and like he cut Alex's head open, like some like this is not this is not safe and it shouldn't be um, plastered everywhere. Like Stephen A, I know um, Stephen A, he had a great point about um, a, the fan who did this. I think at the Garden. Um, but that the fan who has this hat, who um, throws stuff at these players, their face should be plastered all over social media so people know who they are. And rather than just quoting and saying, oh, a fan was banned from Yankee Stadium like they have here, they should have like a, the, a facial picture and the name of the person so people know um, that it was him that, that actually did this. It removes the anonymity from it. And it's going to discourage people from acting up because they think they're never going to face any repercussions from it. Absolutely. And it, sorry, I, I had something I was going to say, but I kind of lost my train of thought. But kind of going back to what you were saying about like generalizing fans, and it's not even just with sports, it's just real life in general. We've seen it too many times where like one bad apple just ruins it for everyone. And then obviously we've seen it with, with Boston fans, ever like one bad thing happens and we're all labeled some bad stuff and it's just it's sad to see but I mean there I did see videos of um, some Yankees fans actually pointing out the fan who threw the baseball like also helping the security get him out of there so shout out to those Yankees fans who actually were on the good side and trying to help fix the situation but I mean yeah everything you said was right they like people who do this they should be exposed to the full extent like the guy at the at the Celtics team, he was arrested. I'm not sure if, if his name was put out to the public, but I mean, it should be. They should be exposed for their wrongdoings. And like you said, maybe they'll, maybe people will actually second think when they do stuff like that. Like fans running onto the fields during a game, that's like, that's funny from time to time. But even then, that's been happening a lot lately and it's still kind of annoying to see. But yeah. once you're throwing, stuff at people and making acting as if they're less human than you are, then you're just taking it way too far. Yeah. And like the, like Verdugo said, like Catherine Vertek said, the shit talking is fine. But once you take it overly personal and start attacking them physically by throwing stuff at them, it's just, it's not, it's a horrible look. Yeah. 100%. And you know, it's just like, I know we're not trying to stereotype this, like just isolate this strictly to Yankee fans. But I think that Yankee fans are just there's there's not there's like a small segment or maybe I want I don't want to say small but like a a somewhat large but small segment of that fan base that is just so just toxic and I think it's like this is like it's just New Yorkers like who are also fans of like the Knicks of and you know other um, neighboring just New York sports teams it's just they're they're so belligerent. And they don't care, and they're just they're assholes. Excuse my my language, but I mean, granted, Boston has a few of those too. But you know, it's just what was the last time we've? Well, I can't say that. We just talked about the Kyrie Irving situation. I was going to say, what was the last time a Boston fan threw something at a New York fan? I'm like, oh shit, we just talked about that. But um, it's just I think like both the both our cities have problems with that, and I think our fan base our fan bases need to kind of have a reflective look about how we act with players. That's my whole situation. <clears throat> Absolutely. Damn. Why uh, do I keep on? Why I keep? Why do I keep on forgetting 
what I was about to say. But I mean, I mean, oh no, I, I just remembered it. But yeah, like I'm all for being as passionate as you possibly can be when you're at sporting events. Like that's what you're supposed to do as a fan. But when you're taking it too far to that extent, that's when it's just a horrible look. And I'm, I've been to a couple of Red Sox Yankees games at Fenway Park and I've been to a Red Sox Yankee game at Yankee Stadium. I've never really, I mean, unless I haven't seen it with my own eyes, I've never really seen a Red Sox fan do anything that bad to a Yankee player or Yankee fan. Obviously, there's the shit talking that we've talked about. But, I mean, speaking of my one experience at Yankee Stadium, went to a game, to a Sunday night game one time with some friends. We got there late. Red Sox were already getting their butts kicked. So we ended up leaving the game early. I'm walking up the stairs. Me and my friends were walking up the stairs in like the seventh inning to get out of there early. All of a sudden, I just feel a peanut hit me square between the eyes. I'm like, what the hell? I just flipped the dude off and walked away. But like that, I mean, yeah, that's kind of a little personal. But like that, you just still don't do that stuff. No matter who, no matter what fan you are, what team. I'm sure similar stuff has probably happened at Red Sox Yankee games at Fenway Park. But from my experience, I haven't seen it. But it just, it sucks to see that stuff happen. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I, I, I almost tweeted this out. I was kind of afraid to, but I had a little bit of apprehension. But when we saw, you can't see the video because we're on like an audio platform, but I encourage everyone to go and look at how Verdugo reacted because he was prepared to go up into the stands if he could and find that fan. And you know what? I would not have been opposed to a malice in the palace situation if that actually were to happen. So, I mean, <laughs> malice I think, in the Bronx, baby. I would have, lo- I would have loved to see it. But um, truthfully, I mean, like, unless something like the malice in the palace were to happen, like, it, I don't really see this stuff stopping anytime soon. Obviously, now, like the like the punishments for something like that happening are, are more way more severe than they would be back when that happened but like unless something like that happens where an athlete goes into the stands and actually tries to beat the crap out of a fan like it's probably not going to come to an end anytime soon there's still going to be this stuff that pops up once in a while of one bad fan doing something horrible and making all the other fans look bad yeah not saying we need it but it would be a huge wake up call yeah Yeah, every sport um, anyway, moving on, we're going to be now talking about the NBA Finals. Uh, game five was last night. Milwaukee uh, took it in Phoenix. It was the first road win of the entire series by either team. Um, Milwaukee won 123 to 119. It was another great game. This series has been awesome. Um, and they now lead the series 3 to 2. They're one win away from winning their first championship in over 50 years, I think it was. So they're going to be going back home to game six. That's going to be in a couple days. Uh, Giannis had 32 points in 41 minutes, nine rebounds. He was awesome as he usually was, not at the free throw line, but we're going to get to that in a little, little bit later. Middleton showed up for the second game in a row for the first time in what I can remember. He had 29 points. He had some clutch threes down the stretch. Drew Holiday played fantastic, 27 points, 13 assists. Um, and then Devin, uh, Devin Booker also showed out, showed out. He had 40 points, but the Suns were not able to creep back. They looked like they were going to in the last two minutes of that game, but um, they weren't able to do it. So, Chris, what do you make of uh, the game six that we saw last night and overall just the series? Because we haven't talked about this NBA final series yet. So what do you think about what's been going on? I mean, yeah, we kind of talked about it. The, I mean, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, the first couple of games of the finals, they were really struggling, and that was part of the reason why the uh, Bucks went down to all, although I believe those were also the two games that Giannis didn't play. But, I mean, that's what the Bucks invested in this past offseason. They needed 
a guy like Drew Holiday who can get you a bucket when you need to, who can run the offense, and who can also play great defense. He's doing what he did last night, what he had to do. Chris Middleton obviously balled out. Giannis has been on a tear like we haven't seen in a long time, maybe since Shaq in the finals with the Lakers. But I'm just honestly really impressed with how Devin Booker has been playing this entire series and throughout the entire playoffs. I forget where I saw the stat, but I think it was like, it was back-to-back games in which he had 40 points and they lost both games, which has never happened. No player has ever dropped 40 points in back-to-back games of the finals and they lose both games. But I think since the Bucks went into Phoenix and stole one from the Suns, I think the Suns can go back into Milwaukee Tuesday night and do the same. But who knows? They Both stadiums have great fans that have been very adam- very passionate throughout this series. So who knows if the Suns can go in there and steal one. But I have faith that Chris Paul will do whatever it takes to win. Devin Booker will still show out. And DeAndre Ayton has been turning himself into a star in these entire playoffs. And I'm glad to see that. He's been balling out. And he's really made a name for himself. Because first couple of years of his career, they, when they were, weren't that good and weren't make the playoffs, they were, like people were wanted to start labeling him as a bust. I didn't really like that but it's good to see that he's been balling out as well but it like you said it has been a great series so far and I don't think it's going to end in game six yeah 100 this is going seven games I think Phoenix is going to take they have to but I really do think that Phoenix is going to take games uh, game six in Milwaukee on Tuesday but I Giannis what the way I've seen Giannis play I haven't seen um at least since I've been watching basketball I was the whole Shaq and Kobe era was a bit before my time. Like I wasn't watching basketball mm-hmm. during that time. I've just been told that, Oh, Shaq was the most dominant presence that I've ever, that we've ever seen. So I'm just like in my lifetime, from what I've seen, Giannis is, I've seen Dwight Howard play when he was during his magic years. Remember that, um, that run that he went on and he went to the finals. He was a dominant big man, but the way Giannis, I haven't seen anyone play like Giannis has. He's just, he's dominating the post and he's controlling everything inside the paint. And it's absolutely just Deandre Ayton is like, he's a great player, but he's just been struggling to handle him defensively. And he's been, um, Giannis has been able to get him in some foul trouble. So that's why Ayton has been missing a couple minutes in like the previous games. He played 45 minutes in, in game, uh, game five, but previously he's been able, he's been in uh, like some foul trouble, but like the um, the alley-oop, I, don't, I think you remember this, Chris, but in game five, Drew Holiday was able to steal it and strip it from Devin Booker, and he threw like a half-court lob to Giannis, and Chris Paul fouled him, and Giannis went to the line. It was just – that was – I God, the amount of like iconic plays that we've gotten in just like the last two games have been – or last three games have been crazy. Like it's – Absolutely. Everywhere. Yeah, like- yeah, that dunk was unbelievable. I would argue that that foul wasn't really a foul, but I mean, that's the way the NBA officiating goes nowadays. Like, you touch a guy and it's a foul. But I mean, yeah, Giannis had that incredible dunk to seal the deal last night. Game four, he had that crazy chase down block, which people are comparing it to the LeBron Iguodala block a few years ago in the finals. But Giannis has been really showing out, making the iconic plays. And He's been playing out of this mind this playoffs, which coming into the playoffs, that was kind of the big question. Is he going to be able to live up to the moment since the past couple, past few seasons he wasn't able to? And he's looking like he's he's doing it now. And he's 40 minutes, 48 minutes away from his first title, which I think will probably solidify him. Maybe not solidify him, but like 
if he if they if the Bucks win this, he's gonna go into that conversation as one of the greatest ever. I think. Obviously, he would still need a couple more rings, but like this is just gonna further help his case after the MVPs and the Defensive Player of the Years. It's it's gonna look real good for him if the Bucks win it. But I mean, you can say the same for the Suns and Chris Paul. If they manage to come back and win this, Chris Paul is gonna go down as one of the greatest point guards ever, especially after his playoff blunders throughout his career. So. Either way, no matter who wins the series, it's going to be good for both teams and both star players as they both seem to struggle throughout their uh, careers. And it's nice to see that no matter what team wins, every single player on the team gets their first championship ring. And, I mean, we've seen in the past with the Lakers and other teams, like teams winning rings over and over again, it gets redundant. But it's good to see that everyone who wins or everyone on the winning team will get a ring. I think that's nice to see. Yeah, and Chris Paul, Chris Paul has been struggling a little bit down the stretch in like fourth quarter. He's got to pick that up. Like he had a great first couple games, but the last just three games he's been consistently off. Whether it comes down to the fourth quarter, so he's got to pick that up, or else you know he's he's going to be going home in the finals. And you know I don't want that for Chris. I do want him to actually get a ring because he deserves it. He's a fantastic player, fantastic point guard. He deserves a chip, but. Um, I hope we, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough because Drew Holiday has been playing lockdown defense on there for like the last three games. It's, he's been a spectacle to watch on that side of the court. But um, I, got, I got one question for you. Yeah. For the losing team, uh, whoever, whatever team loses this series, do you think that they're going to like somewhat blow up the team? Because I believe Chris Paul is a free agent this year. I'm not sh- I think Giannis and Milton are under contract for a few more years, so they're not going anywhere. Yeah. Drew Holiday, he could be on the trading block if they lose, but do you think the losing team of this series, do you think they should blow it up or just keep the squad together and try and run it back next year? I don't think – Milwaukee won't because I always yeah. thought Budenholzer would, would be out. Like, if they – like, I think for the Bucks, like, his thing was you have to at least make the finals. Like, that's what is – that's what the status quo is, what the owners wanted. He did that, so I think Budenholzer is safe. But um, he's been – I can't say he's been like a – I can't say he's underperformed in the finals. He's been made some good coaching decisions down the stretch. So, he's done a good job. He's definitely better than the Brooklyn series. The Brooklyn series, he just got outcoached and outclassed by Steve Nash. But um, I think in this series, he's done a very good job. But I think Milwaukee's definitely going to stick together. Phoenix, I think – because Chris Paul has made – at least from the reports that I've seen, he wants like a 40, $45 million contract. And if how old is he? Like 37, 36, 37? Yeah, somewhere I mean, around there. I, you can't, you know, I know everyone said that after the Houston, like the thing, like you, like the money that he already has is not worth it. And he's shown that that contract that the Rockets gave him is worth it. Cause he has basically turned this whole Phoenix championship team around, even though they almost made the playoffs last year, but he's basically elevated DeAndre Ayton into a star prospect he was deandre like was not the same player that he was before until chris paul got there so i think that chris paul will not be back if the suns lose next year but they're going to try to find a replacement point guard i don't know whether that be they're going to try to make a move for De'Aaron fox and like sacramento or something but um or just another pass or pass first point guard but i think that's what they need to do because i don't know if you can give that much money to chris paul I, i don't think you can do it now I'm glad you said that he's going to command a huge contract if he does decide to leave the Suns in free agency. Because, I mean, he could go the easy route, join his buddy LeBron in L.A., and they could probably win a chip 
fairly easily. Although, I mean, the Warriors are going to be back next year. But I hope if he does decide to leave, I just hope it's not to the Lakers. But I would like to see him run it back in Phoenix yet uh, next year if yeah. they do lose the series. I do too. It's just they did think – like everyone's saying, oh, this is, like a, this is like a cheat year. They did get lucky down the stretch a little bit with like injuries and stuff. Yeah. I know that's out of their control. But they did get a little bit lucky. You know, Anthony, the AD was out. And then who, I forgot who they played next. They Mitchell was uh, out for a couple games. No, yeah. they didn't. They didn't then, play Utah, did they? No, 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 they didn't. Play uh, no, they. Who did they even play in the second? Oh. I forget. Wow, I know they played the Clippers in the Western Conference. Yeah, finals. yeah, and Kawhi was out for a lot of that, yeah. a lot of that series. So, they, they, but they've, no, yeah, no. they've caught some. They've caught some breaks. So, um, how are we drawing a blank on who they played in the second I round? Have, it's been a long NBA playoffs. I'm trying to find it out. Has. They played Denver. Oh in, yeah. Um, Jamal Murray, Murray was, was out. out. Yeah, Jamal Murray was out. So, but, I mean, injuries are part of sports. We yeah. see that every year. The team that's healthy by the end of it, that's the team that goes on to win. So, they're, like people have been saying throughout the playoffs that the Suns kind of got the easy route by all the injuries. But, I mean, that that's just not – I mean, it is right to say, but at the same time, injuries happen every year. So, yeah. it's not that they got – I mean, they did get lucky, but it happens every single year. And whoever's healthy by the end of the year, that's who most likely wins it all. Um, so we'll have to see what happens in game six. I'm excited because this series has been great. And I'm just so happy that we have like just two smaller market teams in the championship for once. It makes me, fe- it makes me feel kind of like fuzzy inside. Like I'm happy this is happening. We get to see Phoenix and we get to see Milwaukee. It's not Brooklyn and LA. It's two smaller market teams with two really great fan bases that both have never been able to see a title basically for decades. So I'm excited, and I, I love how this series is turning out just as an overall fan of basketball. So that's great. I'm Absolutely. excited to see what game six is going to hold. So anyway, moving on, this is a story that I really want to talk about. We're talking about uh, a guy you probably don't know because if you aren't paying attention to football much, you probably have never heard of him because he's not worth hearing of. But um, there's a guy who used to play for the Patriots a couple years ago in 2017 in Cassius Marsh. He's a linebacker. Not a starter. He was, like, more of a role player. He played for the Patriots for not even a full season, just for, like, a handful of games. I think he came from the Seahawks. Um, yeah. He played for – he played in 2017, um, and he recently said on a podcast that New England uh, treated their players like crap. I'm going to read the full quote for you, but this is what he had to say about his little stint in New England. This is not the first time he's come out in opposition to what was going on to the Patriots either. This is like his second or third time. He just can't seem to, he can't seem to get like New England out of his mouth. I don't know why, but um, this is what he said. They work day in and day out. Their worth, their work ethic over there, what they instill is pretty legendary, but they also treat players like crap. You don't have a lunch period. You get there and you have to make time to eat in between meetings. And they're like five to 10 periods where I would literally go scoop food and put it in a cup and crush it real quick before I got to the next meeting. There's no fun. There's no, well, that's what I got in trouble for saying they don't have fun. So take it away, Josh. Um, this guy who has been on three teams. No, he was on three teams in 2020. He now plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cassish Marsh is, I know I, I'm not in the overall position to criticize a player because he's in the NFL and I'm not. So I know he there's an elevated stature that he must hold. But this guy, who wasn't even good enough to earn the starting position on the Patriots, because he was used in like weird formations sometimes that Bill loved to run on defense. This guy 
is complaining about having a nine to five job or not, it's not even a nine to five. He's, he's complaining about not having a little lunch break where he can go eat food. And he's saying that the Patriots who have won how many championships in the last, like over 20 years, seven, six, seven. Yeah, no, I'm thinking about Brady. I'm th- I mean, it's yeah, six. He, they've won six championships in over 20 years. And this guy comes in, I don't know how many rings he has, but he comes in saying there's no fun there. And that the overall way they treat their players is like crap. Well, guess what, Cassius Marsh? I can list a numerous amount of players who have nothing but positive things to say about the Patriots organization, their work ethic, their workouts, and what they're able to do to accomplish winning. You are not a winner because you don't know how to act and how to achieve success because you don't actually want to succeed. You just want attention. That's all he's do. That's all he's doing by continually spouting this nonsense about the new England Patriots and he can't get them out of their mouth. Like, dude, you can just, you can walk away just like, Oh, I didn't like that team. Wasn't for me. That's you can totally say that totally fine, but you've come out multiple times for a team that you've played like five games for 40 years ago and said that, oh, my experience in those five, six weeks was so bad that I just, I can't, I can't bear it anymore. I have to keep talking about it to make sure that there's a spotlight hovering over my head because this guy is not worth a shred of relevancy in the grand picture of the NFL. He's not because he's not even a great player. Have you ever heard of Cassius Marsh or would you have ever heard of Cassius Marsh if he has not, if like he didn't actually talk about this? Because I know for sure as hell that we would never talk about him if he didn't say something like this because he's not worth noting anything about because he's not a great player. And you know what? Julian Edelman had to say a great thing in the comments to him. I don't know if it was on Twitter or whether it was on like uh, YouTube or whatever, but he said, um, he basically just said to the whole little soliloquy that Cassius went on that winning is fun. And damn right it is because Cassius, you don't know how to win because you don't have the work, the work ethic to actually try to win. Uh, Chris, what do you think about this? I mean, yeah, I don't really disagree with anything that you're saying. I mean, I know there have been players from time to time that speak out on the Patriot way. And obviously those players that do it, it just wasn't for them. I mean, it's only for select people who are dedicated to that type of grind. Obviously it doesn't look great for the Patriots who like, if, if it's true that what he's saying, but I mean, there are also plenty of other players like Julian Edelman and many others who will also back up the Patriots organization and talk about how it is fun and how they like they enjoy winning. So like you said, apparently he just isn't a real winner. And for me, it's not that it's unfortunate to see, but when he did come to the Patriots, I thought he was going to be like this, this badass player that was like going to kind of win at all costs. I thought he kind of been like a second coming of Chris Long in his one year with the Patriots, but obviously that didn't turn out how it didn't turn out that way and he's just continually spewing this crap to kind of get attention and I know there's there's been there's a saying that I've heard thrown around from time time to time any publicity is good publicity so he's just saying whatever he can about the Patriots because I know because he knows that if he says something about them that's just going to get attention and bring more clicks and whatever to him so Maybe he's saying it for attention. Maybe he, he probably does mean what he says, but he's probably also saying it for the attention. But, I mean, yeah, he just didn't seem to like the Patriot way. There's no problem if you don't like it, but when you're 
continually saying that stuff, then that's when it's a little too much. I have no problem with players saying they didn't enjoy the Patriots organization because, I mean, like I said, there's been other players that have said it, but I think they've said it once and kind of shut their mouth. But he doubled down on with what he said, and if he wants to say that, fine, but obviously he just didn't like winning. And, you know, this is from NFL.com. Cassius Marsh, he played in eight games last year for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he had a total of 13 tackles. What do you do, dude? I, I mean, uh, I, this guy can't – he just loves to bring attention to himself. And I, like, like the comparison that you made where you said when you thought he was coming here, because I remember when we traded for him, I thought he'd be you, – you said he'd be, like, a badass player. I thought he was going to be, like – remember when – remember Chris Anderson in the NBA when he came to Miami? Birdman? Birdman. Remember Birdman? I thought he'd be kind of a little bit like that. He'd have just – he didn't need to play a whole lot, a whole lot of snaps, but he'd come in, he'd bring energy to that defense, and he'd have an attitude that we kind of needed at the time. I thought that he, that's what he was going to be. And the only attitude that he's brought is the attitude of just this negative thing that of just talking about a franchise that has a hell of a lot more success than he had. That's all, all he does. All he knows how to do is chit chat away because that's all he's good at. He's not clearly not that great at staying relevant in the grand scheme of things or in the playbook because he. Has been he played for the Seahawks and um, through 2014 to 2017. Then he played for the Patriots a little bit. Uh, then he played for the 49ers for two years. Then he played for the Cardinals. Then he played for the Steelers last year, and he also played for the Jaguars. So clearly, no team has wanted him for a very long time. He's been bouncing around the league. And, you know, he's a journeyman. That's totally okay. But for you to continually nag on a franchise that has been the most successful franchise probably in all the sports over the last two decades, I mean, like, dude, you don't have the moral high ground at all in this situation. You just sound moronic, frankly. And I'm sick of hearing from this guy continually just go on these little rants that he has about how tough it was that he didn't get a lunch break. I'm I'm sick of hearing about it from this guy. Anyway, uh, um, that's all to, I have. Some more, uh, yeah. I was oh say, yeah. Let's get to some more more uh, quotes about <laughs> Patriots and whatnot. That's I mean, uh, the next one. <laughs> next one's a Patriot player, and this that's, one is actually is one that I like. We've really got a whole lot of variety in this rundown, guys. If you can't tell, but anyway, so I mean, it um, also doesn't help that we're in the dog days of summer. I mean, MLB. <laughs> Second half of the MLB season just started. NBA finals are kind of going towards the end. There's just not that much to talk about, so we're just going to talk about people talking, I guess. Yeah. I guess that's the way that it goes right now. The TMZ of sports, baby. Anyway, um, so, Chris, I'm going to let you talk about this, but we had a Patriot player talk about Brady's return, and I think it's week four in this upcoming yeah. season, but um, take it away. Why don't you talk to us about that? So, yeah, um, week four, obviously – Tom Brady and the Bucks come to New England to face the Patriots. It's Brady's first game back after leaving us at a couple seasons ago. And obviously it's going to be a huge game. I'm sure the Patriots will honor him in some kind of way. But there are there's one Patriot player in particular particular that isn't so fond of the uh, return ceremony, and that's a defensive tackle, Byron Cowart. Uh, so he was on a different podcast, the Patriots Way of Life podcast, and one of his quotes, his quote is, 
He's done a lot of things for this organization. He's coming back, but he's coming back as, as an opponent. So I'm going to treat it like any opponent. We ain't welcoming. We ain't welcoming him. We just got to play him. There ain't going to be no damn ceremony for him or nothing like that. Which I think the last sentence there probably is going to be some kind of ceremony for him. But Josh, my question for you is: Will this Patriots team without Brady step up to the task and try and actually beat? I mean, obviously they're going to try, but do you think they'll step up to the task and beat the Bucks in Week Four? Or is this just more bulletin board material for Tom Brady, who has always thrived when, when stuff like this has been said about him? Oh. And also to preface, also to preface, they were uh, Tower and Brady were teammates in Brady's last season with New England. This is 100% bulletin board material for Brady. I mean, Jesus Christ, like he needed any more motivation. We got Byron Cowart, who was a fifth round pick in 2019, coming out and saying this, and you know. <laughs> He's played um, – he played in 2020. I'm trying to find his whole career stats. He played for the Patriots. He had five total games he played in in 2019. And then in 2020, he had 14 total games because we had a lot of injuries down the stretch. But, Chris, when you sent me this, you sent me this on Twitter and DM. You shared this to me. My first thing that I literally said, I'm like, who the hell is Byron Cowart? Like, I don't know who he was, man. I'm like, who is this guy? I like I know who Cassius Marsh was at least. I don't. Even, I didn't even know who Byron Cowher was. I'm like, why is this dude talking about Tom Brady like this? Like he has like like he's some sort of like elevated status on the Patriots team. Like, dude, I didn't even know who you were. And he's talking shit about the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. I mean, Chris, when I saw this quote, I I laughed out loud, and I'm like. You're not going to give him any sort of ceremony. I know the fans will. The fans are 100% they better. They bet when Tom Brady walks on that field in Gillette for the first time, he's going to get a freaking standing ovation. He's going to get a jumbotron treatment with a, probably a whole little video that the crafts are going to organize for him. And they're going to have a whole little ceremony for Tom when he comes back because that's what he freaking deserves for what he got to this team over the course of 20 years. And for Brian Coward, who just got here two years ago from, from Auburn, to come in and act like, the fans are going to stand behind this fifth round pick is really laughable to me. <laughs> like, dude, what are you doing? Like, are you trying to make Tom kill your defense? Cause I almost guarantee you Bill probably talked to him after he said this quote, he like rang him up and he's like, Byron, what are you doing, man? Like, Byron, what are you doing? Man? Like he, he did this slow little, like this, you know, the, the, the low voice that Belichick loves to talk with. I bet you he did something like that. Because I think what he said is, well, it's the right mentality, but read the room a little bit, Byron. Like, come on, man. Chris, what do you think about this? I mean, from the from a player's perspective, I can understand why he said this. Like, he, yeah. you got to, no matter who the opponent is, you got to treat him like any other opponent. And, and I mean, yeah. I would say football is the ultimate team sport. So he's just basically trying to say, like, he's any other guy, he's any other player, and we're going to treat him like that and try to beat him. So I can – I don't really necessarily have a problem with what he said, but he definitely is wrong in a way. And I remember listening to a, a Pat McAfee podcast one time. He was talking about Adam Venteri's return to um, New England after he left for the Colts. And I'm sure it's going to be the same way. I'm it was Pat McAfee was saying something along the lines about, like, before the game, like, everyone, all the fans in the crowd, they're chanting, oh, Venteri, we love you. We miss you. And all, like, that kind of stuff, hyping him up. And I'm sure Brady will hear the same thing. Well, this, he, he, Mac, he said the second that game started, 
it went from loving Vinatieri to absolutely hating him and Chan Nephew, all this and that. And I'm sure that's going to be the same exact way for Brady. Before and after the game, he's going to be praised and loved just like he should be. But when when it's game time, it's going to be a whole lot of trash talk, and they're just, the fans are going to treat him just like any other player. So, I like I have no problem with what he said, but he definitely was wrong. But it is this is going to make the game a little more interesting. Although I won't be surprised if Brady now throws for like 400 yards and five touchdowns, especially on a, a fully healed MCL. Yep. which apparently he played all of last season with the uh, torn MCL. So it'll be fun to see. But, yeah, this this is going to be more bulletin board material, material for Brady as if he even needs it. When, um, remember when Peyton first went back to Indianapolis when he was a uh, Denver Bronco? He, his first game back, I think he got a huge standing ovation. I don't remember if Dwight Freeney was still on, t- on that team, but I know Robert Mathis was and a couple of those other defensive guys were there. You never heard any of this stuff coming out from Indianapolis before Peyton came to town. You, you didn't hear anything about that. So for a guy like Byron Coward, who's played with him for one year, I mean, I get it's the right mentality, but you've been in New England for two years. So you know what the city is like. You know how the fan base can be. You know how much they love Tom. Like, you're going to really say something like this? Like, fans are – dude, it, like literally when Tom left for Tampa – there was like a whole little like conflict between for a huge portion of the fan base for them to become, for them to become like Tampa Bay fans, like for a little bit while Tom was still over them and come back to New England. Like obviously those are kind of bandwagon. We're not going to talk about that, but yeah. you know, re- he just like the lack of awareness just from Patriots players this week, Chris, like I don't understand, man. What are they drinking? Is there something in Massachusetts? Is there something in the water over there that I don't know about? Because they're just saying stupid stuff. Not sure there might be. <laughs> there might, I don't know, man. I don't, something in Foxborough. They need to check the water over there. They need to check it. I think one thing that's a similarity with the two players, which is probably why they were saying the stuff like that is – a, they both spent a year or less as teammates with Tom Brady, so they yeah. really didn't take, really didn't didn't get to see that type that side of him. And B, neither one of them won the won a Super Bowl in their time with uh, Tom Brady, so they didn't really get to see like how great he is and how he can carry the team. I'm sure in those two seasons there were moments where he had to carry the team and lead them to victory, like he always does. But they didn't see him in the playoffs when it was really go time and saw him live up to his full potential, which we, we've seen him do time and time again. I think those are the two biggest reasons why that both Cowher and Cassius Marsh are saying those types of things, because they just didn't really get to see the full picture. You would never hear Dante Hightower or Devin McCarty come out and say something like this. I remember oh, even no. when Devin came to our school like to do that little Zoom thing that Suffolk had, he yeah. had nothing but positive things to say about Tom. Like, he didn't say it's like, he's like, oh, he's on another team, but I love Tom. He was a great player for us. Like, he was saying stuff like that. He never came out and he's like, uh, we're, we're, we, ain't welcoming, we ain't welcoming him. We just got to play him. There ain't going to be no damn ceremony for him or nothing like that. And I'm like, really, really, Byron, like, show a little bit of reverence. Have a, have a, little, bit of, have a little bit of a humble attitude for basically the Michael Jordan of the sport and just – recognize that the fans love Tom and I get it. Like once the game, when the clock starts rolling, it's going to be a little bit different, but everybody in new England loves Tom Brady, no matter what, like at no, like he's going to probably be the number one guy over there for 
decades, because I don't know anyone in Boston who's going to surpass him, even Tatum, but I don't think Tatum can reach the mountain that of just fandom that Tom Brady has over in, in the whole New England area. So, yeah. uh, Even if Tatum wins like four or five championships yeah. with the Celtics, who knows if he can even do that. Yeah, I, I think I, the I, only person in the past 15 to 20 years that is going to come somewhat close to the stature of Brady is Big Poppy. He's like the yeah. only one that'll do it. But I mean, winning fixes everything, and these two guys never won in New England, so that's probably why they have they, they've been saying this kind of stuff. Even Chara, when he was there for the Bruins, when he was there for years, he he's he's not at the same level as, as Brady. It's just yeah. you know that's not a knock on him. It's just that's how great Brady was. So anyway, that's enough Patriots stuff. We're we're done talking about the Patriots for today. I'm kind of glad because it's just we just have a bunch of guys talking when they shouldn't be talking, but. Um, anyway, moving on, we're going to have one last topic. It's about the Celtics today. They have their new head coach, and we are incredibly late on this news. I recognize that. Like, I think that, like, they literally announced the coach, like, the day after we released the other podcast. It's been that yeah. long. So they, like, the Brad Steen was just like, you know what? Let's make sure that they're not able to talk about this on the show. That, we're going to time this up so they just they just can't talk about it. So I, I, I love Stevens Brad listens and. Brad Stevens listens, and he just doesn't want us to talk about stuff immediately after it happens. 100%. It's always the Celtics topics, too. Like, it's never the yeah. Patriots or the Red Sox. It's always the Celtics topics that happen the day after our show. Yeah, because I think, I think it was two episodes. I think it was episode 11 we were talking about the Celtics because I think it was right around – I think it was right around playoff time. Or no, no, no. It was after last episode where you talked about the Kemba trade. Yeah. And then two days later – yeah, like two days later, there was another trade after we put something out. Like, what the hell is going on with this team? They just uh, don't want us to talk about it. The front office is literally strategically, like, figuring it, strategically figuring out how to just make us angry. And it's working. Anyway, Ime um, Udoka, I, I hope I'm not pronouncing his name wrong, but um, he's going to be the new, the new Celtics head coach after Brad Stevens was elevated to a front office position to take over for Danny Ainge, who is now retiring. Um, Udoka played 12 years professionally, bouncing around between a couple leagues and multiple teams. He served as the assistant under Greg Popovich for seven years and then spent a year each with the Sixers and the Nets before landing the Celtics gig. Um, Tatum, Smart, and um, Jalen Brown were all in communications with Brad Stevens about who to hire, and they were all very in favor of Udoka reportedly, which is great to hear because we can just look at, say, you know, Damian Lillard in Portland who's not very happy about the whole head coaching stuff that they've been doing. So it's great that um, there's a really good communication between Brad Stevens and the players, which I'm very, very happy about. That's important. Um, they all had a previous relationship with um, Udoka um, after they were in the 2019 FIBA tournament. And he was also an assistant coach um, for team USA. And we might get on, get on to team USA later, but we might not. But anyway, um, out of the eight head coaching va uh, vacancies, Udoka was one of seven black coaches hired during this offseason. That's great to see. Um, Chris, what do you think about this hire? And what do you think about the new Celtics head coach? I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like, before the Celtics hired him, I really did not know that much of who he was. But what I do like to see is the seven years under Greg Popovich. We've kind of seen it from time to time. Like, his assistants kind of go on to be – pretty successful coaches obviously Mike Budenholzer's in the finals right now he's been doing good with the Bucks. he was good with the Hawks for a few years um Brett Brown who's no longer with the Sixers he he did his thing for a few years with them so it's good to see that 
more Popovich's coaching tree is is getting jobs and getting hired, kind of like with Belichick in the NFL. Like his guys end up going on to land these good jobs. But I, from what I've read so far, it looks like it's going to be a good match for the Celtics. I forget the exact quote he had, but he pretty much he pretty much said something along the lines of how he's going to give them that like that kind of kick in the ass they needed to to be great, which obviously we we saw how good Tatum and Brown it can be from time to time. I think they just need to be more uh, consistent with it, and I think Udoka is going to get that out of them, hopefully. Not saying that Brad Stevens couldn't, but he wasn't – he never really lashed out at the players, which I think Udoka won't be afraid to do, which will be good. And yeah. like you said, he had the previous relationship with them, and they all were very excited about him. And I think there's even been a couple of his other players in the past have also like said good things about him too. So it is good to see that there's someone that our main players like and are in favor of, and hopefully he can be the next Celtics head coach to win us a championship. Obviously that's the hope. I'm hoping he could be somewhat like what Monty Williams has been for Phoenix this year. He's just been a great coach. He's been able to light a fire under those players and just kind of reinvigorate them with a whole different attitude and mindset than what they've had before. So that's what I'm hoping to get out of this. And like you said, Chris, the great Popovich thing is huge. Um, The fact, like, if you're, I don't know what it is. Like, you know, for the Patriots, how there's a lot of guys who come out of that organization. They're just, they're not able to succeed. Like if they're an assist, like a defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator, they go on, they're not able to just be very good. But for um, in the NBA, all the guys pretty much under Popovich have all at least been moderately successful um, in their own right. So he's basically a huge um, supplier of coaches to the entire league. Honestly, I would have loved to see, you know, I know we have Udoka, but I would have loved to see like Becky Hammond come to Boston I think she would have been a great hire too, because I've heard nothing but positive things about her and her assistant coaching in San Antonio. And, you know, Tim Duncan loved her, Tony Parker and all those guys, Ginobili, they all loved um, her when she was there or when they were there. So I know she didn't get hired, but all the, uh, anything that has anything that Popovich has touched like um, in a coaching sense is a good pick to me. So I'm excited to see what he's able to do. I hope, I hope that he's able to bring that different attitude that I don't think Stevens was able to bring where these players need to have like a fiery sense of just competitiveness. I don't think Stevens was able to bring that out in them. But like I said, the fact that Tatum, Smart, and Brown were all kind of accustomed to him. They knew him from a couple of years ago in the FIBA tournament. That's all great. So there's a little bit of familiarity there. And I'm hoping that they're able to kind of elevate this year a little bit and go the next step in the Eastern Conference. Because Lord knows it's going to be competitive, especially with how Milwaukee is playing this year. And Brooklyn's going to come back. I think that they're bringing all three guys back, all the – the main guys are going to be back. The They're going to probably oh, yeah. shore up their bench a little bit. Um, Atlanta's going to be there. Atlanta was great this year. I mean, Philadelphia's probably going to be back. I don't know what the Ben Simmons situation is going to be, but um, I still think Philadelphia is going to be there in the playoffs. So there's a whole lot of competitive teams in the Eastern Conference. So I hope Udoka is able to kind of help the Celtics stand out a little bit in a sense and push them to the next step. Oh, speaking of Team USA, which we kind of just talked about, I'm trying to look right now, but in these exhibition games leading into the Olympics, Team I haven't watched much of the games, but the fact that they have been losing so many games is definitely not a good look, was it? They got The first loss was to Nigeria, who upset them, and I, I don't know what happened that game. Then recently they lost to, uh, what was it, 
They lost the other day to Australia, which, I mean, Australia has some good guys like Joe Ingles, Patrick Mills, and a few others. But the fact that USA, who always has the most talent, it, are losing these games like this, it, it there might be some bad things to happen in a couple weeks when the Olympics start. Uh, I, I know there's a third team they lost to, but I just can't think of it off the top of my head right now, unfortunately. Yeah. I think, and, um, I think they've gone like one in three in their yeah. exhibition games. Might, might have been one and two, but yeah, something like that. They're, oh, yeah. I, I think I got it right here. Uh, yeah, they lost to Nigeria. They lost to Australia. They beat Argentina. And I thought there was a, I thought there was a fourth game. Maybe they just went one and two. But I thought they went one and three for some reason. But the fact they're losing like this is not good. So is Giannis going to play for, like, the Olympic team? I don't know if he is because, it, you know, I think the finals are going to be over by the time it ends. So I don't know if he's going to be able to go play for Greece. I don't know if they've even qualified. So I don't know what the whole situation with that is going to be. But I know Luca's going to be there. He's bringing Slovenia with him. And there's, all, there's been such an increase in the amount of international talent just recently over the last decade that Team USA is not, like, the elevated status that we're accustomed to. And, you know, obviously LeBron isn't in the Olympics, and Kevin Love, he opted out. And there's obviously just due to the short nature of the season that we've had just with COVID and everything and them starting up with a short offseason, um, there's a lot of players opting out due to, injury, due to injury concerns. But I think now Team USA, the, from what I've just been reading and seeing – is that they're a bit of a fragmented group. They're more built just based around names than they are around an actual roster. And I think for a lot of these other Olympic teams, they're a lot more well built up. Like we had to have JaVel McGee come on Team USA. And that's not because he's talented. That's because we're missing size and we're missing like shot blocking abilities, which we don't have. So we need like more specialization on this team because I don't think we can get by on names alone anymore. Just based on the amount of talent that we see internationally, because basketball has been able to become such a big sport around the globe. So Team USA has got to pick it up. Pop, but I'm, I'm confident in Popovich. These are just exhibitions, but I'm hopefully like, I'm hoping that we're able to get this figured out once the actual important game starts. I think we'll be okay. But um, maybe, maybe it's just because it's exhibition games, but yeah. I, from what I've seen, Team USA really hasn't been playing that much defense in those games, or at least doesn't look like they're trying that much. Mm-hmm. And then they're also, like, trying to draw fouls like they do in the NBA, which apparently in these international games it doesn't work like that. And, I'm like, all these other teams that aren't USA, they have nothing to lose. They, I'm sure everyone's really expecting USA to win the gold. But it doesn't look like the, the way they play in the NBA is going to translate to the Olympics. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I think that's why they've been struggling, but I'm sure when it's actual game time and these games matter, I think it'll be a different story. Yeah, I'm hoping so because Luca's going to be there. I don't know if Giannis is going to be there. I'm very curious because that's going to be a quick turnaround for him to suddenly. Mm-hmm. So I know he's playing hurt right now in the finals, so he's already hurt. I don't know if he's actually going to want to be on the Olympic team because because of that injury and just because he's literally playing right now on like a huge long season stretch with an injury. So I don't know if he's going to play, but I know there's a lot more greater international teams out there that are going to be competitive um, in this year's Olympics. So we'll have to wait and find out. I think that'll be interesting, but yeah. I got one, I got one last thing on the uh, um, Olympics this week. I tweeted this out uh, about a week or so ago and I feel like it might be a hot take, but I feel like it's also not that much of a hot take. Like 
Luka Doncic is great. I believe he is an amazing player, and he'll be probably one. Of, he'll probably be the best player in the NBA at some point in his career. But like, I think if he really is this great, he'll easily lead. Was it Slovenia to some kind of medal? I I really don't think that's that much of a stretch to say, especially really? if he's as great as he's made out to be. Because I wouldn't be surprised. I remember that the Slovenia team has never qualified for the Olympics before. That's a fun fact. I remember that, they've that, never that ever been to an Olympic game before because of how great freaking Luca is. He's bringing them in, and the way because I remember seeing there's a video of him after they qualified for the first time ever. The amount of just like enthusiasm and joy that these guys have from it's really infectious. I loved it. So if USA is knocked out, I'm going to be rooting for Luca because I love just the appreciation and reverence that that whole country has for him. So um, here's hoping here's hoping if not USA, I'm rooting for you, Luca. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for episode 13 or 14, whatever, whatever it is. I don't 13. Okay. That's going to do it for episode 13 of the Best of Beantown podcast. James wasn't here today, but Chris and me, uh, thanks for staying with me here, Chris, on this no wonderful problem. little Sunday. Um, so that's going to do it for us. Uh, make sure to tune in and check out our other episodes. But if not, we'll see you next time. See ya.